Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're actually working our way through Leveraging the Universe, one of Mike Dooley's books, one of the bestsellers that he's written. And the thesis of the book, I think, is quite simple. The thesis is the universe actually is here for us 100% of the time. The universe is here to bless us. The universe is here to prosper us. The universe is here to, to show it its, its love. Um, you know, Mike uses the term the universe, of course, in our more spiritual setting. We might tend to use the word God. Uh, but basically what he's saying is life, should we accept it that way, is beautiful. And last week we talked about really engaging our ability to see ourselves in that beautiful life. That the idea is if we, if we have that idea of where we might be in, in five years or 10 years or even tomorrow and see that from our mind's eye as being beautiful and supportive and joyous, that that actually is how our thoughts become things. In the science of mind as presented by uh, Reverend Dr. Ernest Holmes, he says thoughts become things. And Dooley is right there with him. If we have our thoughts positioned on that dream of goodness, that, that purity of life, that sweetness of love, that is what we shall receive. So that's what we talked about last week. This week he's going to talk about, I'm going to talk about, the how to get there. It's nice to have this idea of how it works, and then it's another matter to put it into practical experience. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, he talks about it in terms of both a proactive and a reactive mechanism. And so let me start off with a brief quote from, from this book. He says, to spark real change in our lives, we want to defensively be aware of old habits, old mannerisms, so that we're not unwittingly entertaining thoughts, words, and deeds that no longer serve us. Well, at the same time, we want to go on the offensive or the proactive to think, say, and do things that are specifically designed to give us the most out of life. In this lecture, I'm going to talk about working with thoughts, words, and deeds in both lights, both defensively and defensively. Oh, excuse me, both defensively and offensively. So first, the defensive aspect of it. And uh, he really talks about a new way of thinking of our thoughts. So we're used to maybe thinking that our thoughts and our beliefs are a bit interchangeable. And he puts some granularity to this that I think is kind of useful. So first of all, we all have thoughts that are in the more fleeting nature, right? Sometimes positive, sometimes negative. We think about, uh, you know, we notice someone on the street and we think, oh, you know, there's someone I know, how delightful. Or we notice that maybe we got one of those envelopes in the mail with red on the outside and we think, oh, Oh, holy, oh, oh, did I forget, did I forget to pay the gas bill, right? So, so here's a, a positive thought, you know, how sweet, here's someone I know. Here's a negative thought, shoot, did I forget to pay the gas bill? Those kinds of things, no big deal. They come and they go. What Dooley says, what we need to watch for are the things that seem to come up with some regularity. So let me give you an example. Maybe you're at the store and you're wandering through the store and it seems like everything that you want to buy is just 
too expensive and you tell yourself, it's just too expensive, I can't afford that. Then maybe later in the same day, you come home and you're paying your bills and you notice, is it just me or did the gas bill double this year over last year? If that keeps up, how are we going to stay warm in the winter? And then maybe a few hours later, you're meeting up with a friend at a restaurant and you notice, without even thinking about it, you're going to order the cheapest things on the menu. Now, Julie would say, and I think this is true, that we now have a pattern. It isn't just an idle thought that wandered in and left again. And if we notice a trend in our patterns, we really should pay attention to them because ideas come from beliefs. And so if we have a belief, for instance, that the universe isn't here to support us, or maybe we have a belief that there isn't enough to go around, or, or a belief that I'm just not worthy of living the good life, those things will outpicture as n- any number of thoughts that, that I just told you. You know, you'll see things as being too expensive. You'll see things as not for you. You'll uh, gravitate towards uh, uh, lack and limitation instead of the, the larger picture of life. Julie says, when we notice these kinds of patterns, we must be vigilant. We must be valiant. And uh, let me read you today's joke to uh, talk about how he says that we might deal with this. So a man and his wife decide to go across country to visit relatives. Because they wanted something a little different this time, they decided to take Amtrak. So they leave the station, and a day and a half later passes on the train. And you know, they're having a great time. So it's an enjoyable experience, but suddenly there's a shift in the momentum of the train, a minor slowing of their progress. Over the intercom system, the engineer announces, sorry folks, our number one engine has failed. So we're on the backup. No worries though, it runs slightly slower, but we're still gonna make all your connections. Just enjoy the ride. Well, after another day of travel, the couple feels suddenly a more dramatic lurch. The train slows, slows some more, finally comes to a dead stop. Speaking over the intercom, the engineer tells the passengers, well, I have good news and I have bad news. The bad news is that was the second engine. Both of our engines have failed, we're stuck here. The good news is, well, we're not on an airplane. Yeah, I know you're wondering, how does that joke relate to, well, his idea is sometimes we actually have to work at reversing our thinking around a particular issue, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it seems initially a little Pollyanna-ish. He says, we must stop the negative thinking with some courage, some valiance, and if we can, even turn it somehow into a positive. And he talks about some different ways of doing this. One of the ways he talks about doing this is simply to remind yourself of what your goals are in life, right? Because it's hard to look negatively at your own life while at the same time you have a strong picture of where you want to be and what you're doing. It's much easier to see it as a blip 
rather than a trend. So last week we talked a lot about really having some details about what you want to expect in your life, whether it's a, a new job, a new way of being, a new life, a new chapter in, the, uh, in what's going on for you, whatever it is your heart's desire, when we have that in our mind, when there's some clarity around that, it's easy to see the little negative thing, things that come our way as just a little blip, no big thing, I have the bigger picture. The other thing that he says, which I think is kind of fun, he says it may be necessary to engage in some positive worry. I think we're more familiar with negative worry. Does anyone here have teenagers at home? Oh, no one has teenagers at home? Oh my gosh, well there goes that story altogether. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell it anyway. So, so if you've ever had teenagers at home, what's it like when your teenage daughter is out on a date and midnight has come and gone? <laughs> Most of us engage in negative worry, right? We've been thinking of the 101 things, maybe more than that, that could have gone wrong. Is she in a ditch somewhere? Did the car explode? Is she involved in drugs? That man she's with, I should have known better, right? We come up with a huge long list, every possible what if around what could have gone wrong, and then she shows up and proceeds to say that she was trying to text us in her cell phone diet and it was no big deal, right? That's negative worry. What if we engaged in positive worry? And my example would be, uh, believe it or not, when I first started as the minister here, I really was a little afraid of public speaking. And I remember the minister at the time, Reverend Lynn Johnson, um, it was before I'd even had my homiletics class on how to write a talk. She came up to me and she said, oh, I forgot to mention, I'm gonna be gone on Sunday. It'll be your first speaking opportunity. And my eyes must have gotten about as big as saucers, right? I was in ministerial school, but had never given a talk before. Oh, you'll be fine, she said. Well, I had to start doing some positive worrying because I got to tell you, I could easily come up with 101 things that would go wrong, right? To begin with, I'll probably be sick that day, you know, and we can just go from there, right? The, the people won't like the message I have. I'll say all the wrong things. I won't be professional. I'll look funny. I mean, right? I, I mean, in fact, I can, I'm like up to 50 already in the back of my head, right? Because it's easy for us to find fault with ourselves. Instead, I had to very purposefully sit down and I, I actually wrote it out. What if everything works well? What if my talk is fabulous? What if people really get something out of it and, and put into their lives something that, that maybe transformed them and their families and neighbors? What if... Uh, my actual speaking ability is better than I think it is. What if people respond to this wonderfully? And I went down the list as best I could trying to counter any negative arguments that I had and simply said, isn't the universe more likely to bring me good than bad? Because that was the bottom line for me. I think all of us either secretly think that the universe is for us and it's a safe and welcoming place to be in it, or we have those niggling fears that the universe is just too tough. Well, I got to tell you, if you had all have the opportunity to make up your mind, 
Go with the universe as being a positive and beautiful and loving place because you can always fall back on that. That is the very source of positive worry because in the end result, even the, with the seeming randomness of the universe, if it's a welcoming and loving place, you will come out ahead. And so positive worry is a very useful thing. Instead, when our, our daughter is out after midnight, we can say, I bet she just went up with friends and they're having a nice time. We can say, I, we can say, I bet her phone just died and that's why she hasn't texted me. We can say, maybe she ran across a million dollars and is wondering how to invest it. And, and now you might start saying, well, well, Larry, now you're just getting crazy. Am I getting crazy? Or am I putting aside the limitations of my usual thinking? You see, I think we're patterned. I think we're set up to think that our lives can only get so good. We're, we're in fact used to thinking more around what can go wrong rather than what can go right. And so the idea of really positive worry, the idea of maybe challenging yourself to come up with 101 things that might even be better than it ever has been before, this will allow you to move into new areas in your life. Not just to, to stay on track with an even going, fairly decent life with some things on the negative side and some things on the positive side. That's kind of same old, same old. If you can break through that barrier of assuming a certain level of happiness or joy, if you can really picture yourself tomorrow or the next day in a completely new state of mind where the, the riches of the universe, where the love of, uh, of all humanity is there for you, you will break through an amazing barrier. Okay, another thing that he suggests in the book, as I was reading through it at first, the, the section is titled Mantras, and I was thinking more of the East Indian idea of having a mantra, but what I realized was Dooley was talking about affirmations. And he said that when you have that noticing that you are stuck on something, whether it be a, a repeated ideas of lack of limitation or maybe unworthiness, if there's something going on in your life that is bugging you, he suggests when you notice that trend, come up with a refutation of it. Come up with a positive affirmation of the spiritual truth of the measure. So let's get back to the example where maybe I noticed that uh, my finances aren't quite as strong as I would like them to be and I'm noticing that things cost too much or that, that bills have gone up and those kinds of things are bugging me. He would say develop a mantra so that when a negative thought comes up like that, you can simply smile and say, I know the universe is unlimited and I know that my good is always in steady supply. So that when, you know, the instant the negative thought comes up or something to the contrary, you can actually just rattle it off as a new truth for yourself. And what happens is over time, you won't even have to really think about that. At some point, you'll just smile. When the negative thought comes up, you'll just smile and let it go because you know it isn't the truth of your life, of your experience anymore. It may take a little practice, and he recommends using something like a, maybe a rubber band or something just as a little reminder so that when the thought comes up, you can go, oh yeah, that's not the truth of me. The truth of me 
is that I deserve the true love of the universe or the truth of me, I know that the universe is infinite and my good is infinite. The truth of me is that all of my affairs are based in love and good communication. You know, wh whatever, whatever it is that's up for you, simply build one of these mantras around it to know a new spiritual truth for yourself. The final thing, and, uh, and I liked this so much that I actually did a handout for you, so you don't need to take notes on this part. He really plays up and endorses the idea of doing a visualization. And apparently it's part of his daily spiritual practice. So I just wanna uh, go over a little bit of his idea of what a visualization is, and it isn't, a copy of it is in your program. Uh, first of all, he says, short is better. So his visualization is just a couple minutes in the morning and consistent. He does it every morning. So every morning he's suggesting we take just two or three minutes to do a visualization. He says to picture yourself in some future state. So it might be having the job of your dreams, it might be in a perfect relationship, it might be uh, the new house you wanted, it might be, uh, um, I don't know, a time where your family's back together again if there's been some trouble. Uh, think of yourself in a slightly future state where really you're expressing the good life, whatever that means to you. And then he says, visualize all the details of it as best you can. So what does it look like? Who's with you? Uh, how, uh, you know, are you outside? Are you inside? Are you uh, dressed a certain way? You know, really think about it in terms of uh, almost like a stage play with you in it. What are all the details? How would that future state, that, that moment in time where everything is working the way you want, what would it look like? What, what would the tactile sensations of it be? Really, really dramatize it for you in your own life. And then he says, the next step is to feel the feelings that go with it. So let's say maybe you're visualizing yourself in a new job where everything is going well. What would that feel like? Would that feel like success? Would it feel like happiness? Would it feel like contentment? And it may be a different feeling for each person too, right? Uh, a success to some people feels one way. Success to, to someone else may feel a different way. So what, what would it feel like to you? And then finally, he says, make sure you're in the picture. So it's not just a movie screen of someone else's life. Make sure that you're in there. See yourself as actually getting the award of entrepreneur of the year or, or see yourself. Uh, you know, a lot of times people will maybe visualize a relationship, but they don't visualize themselves in the relationship. Sometimes people might visualize their new apartment, but they don't imagine themselves in the new apartment. He says, make sure that you're actually interacting with that future vision. So maybe you see yourself seated in the new apartment. Uh, maybe you see yourself in conversation with, uh, uh, with a new friend. Whatever it is, make sure that you're there. And above all, his warning is, leave aside how you get from here to there. That is God's job. If we get... Um, 
enmeshed, if you will, in the details of how that can happen. Unfortunately, that's our limited thinking. If we already knew how that could easily happen, well, we'd already have it. So put aside your ideas of how to get from here to that future state. That simply is God's business. God will get you there. The clarity with which you can hold the vision will be the power that propels that future state coming into being. So I would like, you know, we're not used to doing visualizations. It's not something that's a a typical science of mind thing. I would like to go through one with you. So this might be a sample of one that you could do every morning. So if you're willing, um, just sit comfortably in your chair, um, close your eyes. And what I would like you to do is imagine a day and time in the future when you're simply happy. So we're gonna be working on happiness here. Imagine a day and a time in the future when you're simply happy. Now it might be a day of celebration. It could be a great success. Maybe you're being given an award. Could be a special day like a birthday or an anniversary. But you know what? It might just be a day of rest and relaxation and just the easygoing nature of life itself. Only you know what happiness is like for you. So find that particular day and time that brings happiness into your life. Just bring it into your mind's eye. Notice, if you will, what's going on around you. What's the scene like? Where are you and who, if anyone, is with you? Notice all the little details going on around you. Is there music? Are you inside or outside? What's the temperature of the air? What can you see when you look around? Just notice all the little details of this time and space where you're feeling so very happy. Next, I'd like to just double check and make sure you're in this vision. So in this vision of happiness, what are you doing? What are you wearing? Are you talking or are you silent? Are you active or just relaxing? What, if anything, are you engaged in? Really picture yourself in this scene of happiness. What expressions are on your face? Are you laughing? Are you smiling? Are you just at rest? And now I'd like to have you think about happiness for a moment itself. What does happiness really feel like? We talk about happiness, but for you, is it exhilarating? Is it blissful? Is it contented? Is it satisfying? Think of the different qualities of happiness and the one that feels most important or most strong to you right now? Is it freedom? What does that feeling of happiness really seem like? And if you can, I invite you to try to intensify those feelings. Take the feeling of happiness, if you can, to the next level. Just sense it even more strongly, more firmly, this is you, this is happiness. 
so now we give thanks for this vision of happiness in our lives. We give thanks for the surety that such happiness is ours, both, both now and in this room, but later and as we choose. We give thanks for this universe that is so very gracious. And when you're ready, you can just open your eyes. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that moment of happiness. The idea here, of course, is that such things are an inside job. Such things are not dependent on things in the physical world working out in some um, unusual way or, or waiting for some idea of fate to bring things to you. You don't have to wait until you're retired or until the kids are off to college. Happiness, anything, is yours to experience in the moment, in the between times. So to summarize our work today, if we wish to really achieve our dreams, we need to have both defensive and proactive thinking. Defensive to derail those thoughts of lack and limitation that can hold us up or limit our, our ability to really picture ourselves as successful and loving. We also need proactive thinking so that we can, even if we were quizzed, we'd be able to say, what is it we desire in life? What, what is next up for us that is wonderful and joyous to experience? We need to have that proactively working in our mind. And we can use positive worry. We can use mantras. We can use this idea of visualization to have those things easily and readily accessible to us in our minds. I'm going to close today with a, a final quote from Mike Dooley in this book and, of course, a prayer. He says, when you express positive emotions and they vibrate out into the plane of manifesta manifestation, this is how thoughts become things. Now, it can't return to you a box of joy or a thing of gratitude. So what does it do? It physically rearranges the players and the circumstances of your life in such a way that they bring about exactly what you were feeling when you first put those feelings out into the universe. This is how our thoughts become things. This ultimately means that you don't have to micromanage your thoughts or your deeds or your actions. If you put happiness out there, if you put joy out there, if you put peace out there, just those pure thoughts of life itself, your entire life on all fronts will be powerfully and positively affected. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one, one life, one power. Um, it goes by a variety of names. Mike Dooley calls it the universe. Here often we call it God or spirit, Allah or the Buddha way. But regardless of its name, it is all there is and it is without limit. All that exists in the universe, all of the joy, all of the peace, all of the love, all of the prosperity, all of the health and happiness. This is God. It contains it all. And that also means me. It means that my life is part of God's life. It means that, that God's happiness and joy is mine to also experience and to have. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here, each person with the sound of my voice, each person on the planet, in fact, is 
the king of this kingdom, is that that person who can, should they choose to receive it all. And so as we begin to visualize our future selves living in love, living in peace, this comes about. As we begin having positive worry about the 101 things that that might go right, they do go right. As we have mantras around love, around peace, around joy, so our lives become more loving, more peaceful, and more joyous. I'm simply grateful for this. I'm grateful in knowing that this law of life works for all of us. Grateful in spirit itself. And so I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.